So we're going to look uh, this week where we left off last week, and we're going to look at uh, five passages of Scripture to begin with. Five passages of Scripture. We're going to look at Matthew 28, um, Mark 16, Ephesians 4, James 4, and 1 Peter 5. Okay, did you write all that down? You don't have to write it down. I'll say it again. <laughs> it's in the little book uh, as well if, uh, if you want to uh, look in the little book. But let's look, first of all, at Matthew chapter 28 and uh, verse 18 and 19. Matthew 28, verse 18 and 19. You know, I, I do, actually I feel impressed to say this, so I'm going to say it before I start. But if you look in my Bible, right before chapter 28, I have like double lines there. So at the end of every gospel, I have those lines there. And uh, those lines actually denote in my Bible the transition from after Jesus died, buried, and rose again from the dead. Because then what he's speaking is different. Okay? And if you, if you look, and I, I don't recall what it was, but I was reading a different article this week and, um, uh, from a, a minister that I don't even know, and they were like uh, misinterpreting the scripture. Because they were interpreting the old covenant teachings of Jesus as if it was the new covenant. And so you have to understand, until this point in your Bible, you may not have those lines, but you still have that point in your Bible, <laughs> that Jesus was ministering to fulfill all that was of the old covenant. And it, right here is when the new covenant starts. And so this is when um, it actually is written to you. So like Matthew is really not written to you. You know, John, there's some big portions of John that is written to the church. And of course, the epistles are written to the church. But if you don't pay attention when you're reading your Bible, you can get some really false notions that you have to do a lot of different things that Jesus is actually there fulfilling the law, completing the law, and we're to live our new life in him, right? And he completed, he fulfilled all of the, of the commandments. And so, um, anyhow, every time I turn to Matthew 28 or end, end of one of the, you know, Mark 16, I see those markings in my Bible and it's a reminder to me. And still, um, you guys know I like uh, Brother T.L. Osborne. And um, he's the one that really drew my attention to that. And he said, if you look, you'll find most of the false doctrine that people preach, it's because they misunderstand like the covenant that we're under. Right? So we're under like the new covenant, the new agreement, the new setup. And um, it actually saves you a lot of hassle and a lot of uh, uh, very uh, misleading actions that people take from a heart to follow God and to love God. But it's actually stuff that's like already been fulfilled, already been taken care of. So uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them. Of course, this is after he, you know, right before he ascended on high and he did death, burial, resurrection, defeated the devil, whooped him. Um, and he spoke to them and said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And immediately, verse 19 says, go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. I like to have it like in modern terms so it's real easy to understand. So I like to think, you know, we just had the presidential election, so I like to think if President Trump hired you or hired me or hired whoever, like as soon as, as, soon as he is president and he says, okay, I want you to be over, uh, I don't know why I always pick on like cybersecurity, but I want you to be over cybersecurity, Okay. Because uh, I used to work close to that industry, and I have a friend who's like uh, a president of a couple companies in that industry. And then um, the last president like never appointed like somebody over that. He was going to, and I don't know why he didn't, but 
I don't know, he had people picked to pick from, but he never actually did it. And so if President Trump came in uh, office and then he said, okay, I want you to be over cybersecurity, and you had the knowledge to do that, then he'd say, I have all this authority, so I want you to do this, and I'm giving you authority to hire 1,000 people. I'm giving you a budget of you know, 10, billion, 10, billion, 10 million a year, you know, whatever it would be, and um, I want you to take care of it. The only way he could do that is because he was given authority. Okay, So Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me, and he was given authority not because he was the son of God uh, directly, so to speak. The only reason he could be given that authority is to live a perfect, spotless, sinless life. But he lived as one of us. He lived as a human, and he was successful as a human. But he didn't come from the seed of man. He came from the seed of the Holy Spirit into the womb of Mary, and then he lived a perfect, godly, sinless life. Of course, that's because sin is passed down um, through the man. And so he lived a perfect, godly, uh, godly, sinless life and gained victory. But he didn't live that life as God. Okay, he was God in the flesh, but Colossians tells us that Jesus laid aside his mighty power and glory and became, I love the translation, I don't remember which one it is, but it says, as a mere man. In other words, if you look at a man compared to God, you're like, that's a mere man. You know, are you immortal? No, I'm a mere man, right? Um, And so Jesus came and he lived that way. And then when he was baptized in the river Jordan, after he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came down in the form of the dove and came upon him and equipped him and enabled him for ministry. The same way that the Holy Spirit comes on you and comes on me and enables us for ministry. So, uh, you know, the point I'm trying to get is that the same ability that Jesus had to minister, the same tools that Jesus had to minister, we have to minister. Well, you may say like, okay, but uh, you said he was perfect and I am not perfect. Well, this is why Jesus came and shed his blood because you don't actually qualify in your own self. You actually are disqualified in yourself. Right? Based on what you do, what you can do, even after you're born again, all the good that you try to do and all this stuff, none of that gets you in the family of God. The only way we are in the family of God is by accepting what Jesus did on the cross, believing it and receiving him, and then you're made a new creature. So you say, well, I know my faults, and so I can't actually exercise my authority or take my position of authority because I know what I did yesterday. Well, what Jesus wants you to be more aware of, what I want you to be more aware of, what Paul wants you to be more aware of, is what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. I want that more in your face than what you did yesterday. Because if you live by what you did yesterday, uh, then you'll really start to die. You know, they call a disease or sickness is called incipient death. What does that mean? That means it's death in the beginning stages. In other words, if, that, if you had a flu that came on your body and it never stopped, you would die from the flu. Right? There's a lot of, we have modern medicine, so there's a lot of things that people used to die from that they don't die from anymore. But as soon as that starts, so you have like, uh, you still live in the flesh and you still have a mind to renew. When you're born again, your spirit is made brand new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. Uh, But did your hair color change? Or if you didn't have a lot of hair, did you get a lot more hair? 
you know? Or if you weighed like 50 pounds, uh, 50 pounds. If you weighed like 250 pounds, did you like lose 50 pounds? I, I know people that have done stuff like that, but that's because they had a tumor and they got prayed for and the tumor left, right? And so they lost that. So you may have like a physical change as far as if you've got sickness in your body, you could instantly be healed and those type of things. But I'm talking about physical appearance, you know? You didn't have plastic surgery. You know, like uh, everybody probably knows faults in your body. Like whatever faults you have in your body, they didn't just like disappear um, because you still live in the flesh and the redemption of the body is actually for another day. Uh, but we're, re- we're redeemed uh, in our spirits and we are to be transformed, Romans 12, 2 tells us, by the renewing of our mind. You could be so transformed that you don't even recognize yourself. In other words, I don't know, everybody's at a different point in your uh, Christian walk when you're a believer. Some people have just received the Lord and some people maybe have walked with the Lord for decades. But I'm here to tell you, if you live out of the word, you can be transformed so that one year from now you look back and you say, who is that? Who was that? I don't care where you're at because the word actually transforms you transforms you. And what I've found through the years is that wherever I see that I'm at today and whatever I know of the Word and the Holy Spirit and and the ways of the Lord, there is so much more depth. Like maybe like you start to dig and you know it's a time of the year where people plant and you start to dig in the ground and you you look and um, you know maybe you dig like four inches. Typically maybe two to four inches. All the dirt's the same color. It looks all the same. Well, then you dig like 12 inches. You dig 12 inches, and depending where you're at, you're likely to get different layers where you actually start to see different colors. Well, you dig, I remember when I was a kid with my dad, we um, dug a pit out for, he was going to make a well pit in the front yard. And so we dug like six or eight feet down. And like you had layer after layer, we finally got to a layer of stone and gravel, right? It was all dirt. First, it was like this one kind of dirt. Topsoil there was like a foot thick. And so it was all the topsoil, and then it became, it was like an orangey sand there. So it was like four or five feet of orangey sand. And then underneath that, it was started to be little rocks. And underneath that, it started to be rocks the size of a golf ball. Well, if I had just stopped at four feet, I would have never known there were rock there. Well, then I dug more, or we dug more, I should say. I'm sure my dad did most of the work, because I remember being young doing it, but I was, you know, working. It's a lot easier digging there than in Virginia, by the way. <clears throat> there was almost no clay. It was nice sandy. So we'd dig and dig and dig, and um, that was northern Indiana. And um, so you get down there, and then we got deep enough. But I know if we kept going deeper and deeper, I'd hit other stuff. I know where I live now, we have a well, and I think it's... Uh, t- 28 feet down, if I remember right, looking at the paperwork. At 28 feet, we hit bedrock. So if I dug and could dig 28 without it caving in on me, I'd dig and dig and dig, and all of a sudden, I'd hit something drastically different, very solid. And, um, you know, and then if you keep going, uh, speaking of like a well, you keep going, eventually you hit water. And so um, in the things of God, that's what I love about the Lord. Like there's no end to the depth in the word, in his presence, in his things. And some people say, like, I can't imagine, like, I go to heaven, wouldn't it be boring? Oh, my goodness, no. I mean, you will not have a boring moment in heaven. It's going to be amazing. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, and that life is here today now. When you receive Christ, you actually receive 
the same life that God has, and I, you know, you can't put one better than the other, the same nature as God has. And so if you look at Jesus and you see all the love, all of the actions, all of the self-sacrificing, everything that he is, he came to reveal the Father. And you find like, you know, you're having difficulty uh, not thinking of yourself or you're having difficulty loving other people, you're trying to do it on your own. I'll tell you that right now. Because when you tap into the love of God and you let that flow through you, we so many times talk about, because it's maybe more um, exciting to hear about, like if, if you lay hands on somebody, like the power of God flowing through your hand and uh, destroying sickness, destroying disease, and um, causing a physical manifestation and change. But how about the love of God flowing through you? And, you know, that's the life of God part, but the love of God, the nature of God, like how God is, how he thinks about people. You know, I remember Dad Hagen used to tell us, he used to say, think, you know, you, you get in the word, you meditate in the word so that you start to think God's thoughts after him. So you can, you can think a God thought. You know, I think if you weren't born again, it might blow your brains, blow your mind. You know, it does blow my mind now my natural mind. So you get the thoughts of God. You can actually think the thoughts of God. And the thoughts of God are actually written in the Word of God. So you could take those thoughts and you realize when you start to meditate on it, the Word of God, meditate is just um, you're thinking about it and you're looking at it at all angles and you're trying to figure it out, so to speak. Not that you're going to figure God out, but you're looking like, okay, wait a minute. He said... Um, all authority has been given unto me, now go. So like, think about that. Well, immediately he said go, so what does that mean? Does that mean he gave me authority? Because I remember the first time I heard that, and I, I thought, well, he doesn't say I gave you authority. It says I have authority. Go. Well, how in the world can you say go? If you said I have authority, you go. So I don't want to get too far off on that because I want to get the other scriptures. Okay, so that was Matthew chapter 28. And, you know, the Word of God says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. And so first we're looking here at Matthew, then we're going to look at Mark, and then a writing of Paul, and then James, and then Peter. So actually we're given five, five witnesses this morning uh, of the same thing. So let's look at Mark chapter 16, Mark chapter 16 and verse 17, just the next end of the very next book. Mark chapter 16 and verse 17. And these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils and speak with new tongues. Uh, I'll read the rest, but we're going to focus on verse 17. And they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. And they'll lay hands on the sick, and they will recover, or they shall recover. Well, literally, in the Greek, cast out devils means exercise authority over the devil. So in my name, believers will exercise authority over the devil. Right? So it doesn't say... Uh, in my name, I will exercise authority over the devil. No, in my name, believers will exercise authority over the devil. What does that mean? You're going to tell the devil what to do in his name. We're going to tell the devil what to do in his name. In other words, take your hand off my child. Take your sickness off of my child. Take your poverty off of my child. You have no right. I'm not going to let you do that. So we exercise authority over the devil in his name. And then let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. Let 
neither give place to the devil. Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. Verse 25 says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. You know what I'm going to do is I'm going to read these other ones real quick because I, I want you to have them uh, in your heart when I uh, talk about what I'm going to talk about. So then after Ephesians 4.27 is James 4.7. James 4.7. which is submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And then 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober. We did a whole series on this. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist? Steadfast in the faith. Okay, so, so many times we uh, unconsciously are expecting, because we're a believer, God is going to take care of us. God's got our back. Well, he is going to take care of us and he has got our back. But that's because of what he did through Jesus Christ on the cross, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. I heard, I've heard so many ministers say, you know, uh, people come up to them and say, when's the Lord going to heal me? And they say, the Lord has already done everything he's ever going to do about healing you. And uh, people get kind of like, oh, what do you mean? Like, doesn't the Lord care about me? Oh no, he really cares about you. But he did everything he's ever going to do about healing you. By his stripes you were healed. Okay? So if you were healed then, then you are healed now. You say, well, but, but I, don't, uh, I don't understand like because I can feel my body. My body does not feel healed. I can see my body or I can see the x-ray or I can see the CT scan and they say I am not healed. Well, but the Word of God says that you are healed. So which one are we going to believe? I love that song, Whose Report Will You Believe? You know, we will believe the report of the Lord. His report says I am healed. His report says I am free. See, faith actually is not of the head. Faith is of the heart. Bible faith is of the heart. With the heart man believes, with the mouth confession is made unto. Not with the head you believe. So you can't believe with your head, God is not a head. He's not a mind. He's a spirit. So with, with our heart, we believe. And, you know, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So what happens uh, in most of our lives, if you have a physical challenge or a challenge of healing and sickness and disease... Um, is so many times we allow more input from sources outside the Word of God than we do from the Word of God. Or we'll read the Word of God and we have our, let's just say, five scriptures or three scriptures that, that uh, we're reading and we're going over, but they're just words on a page. They're not like alive in our heart. And so then we go to fight that battle. And what happens? Well, half the time you lose the battle because you're really more conscious and more aware of the natural side than you are the reality of the spiritual side. Jesus said, if my words uh, live in you, if you abide in me and my words abide or live 
or make their home or their part of you so much a part of you, that's how you act. Then you'll ask what you will and it will be done unto you or for you. And so it's, it's through the word of God that we actually have solid ground to stand on. And so when you're looking at what's going on, like you may have like, um, let's just say some financial assets, whether it's actual money in the stock market or whether you have uh, a property somewhere. And so you have that property. Maybe the stock market starts to tank, so you have those stocks. Maybe like, um, you know, it's, you, you own property in the area where a recession is happening and it's losing value. Well, you know, the easiest thing in the world to do is say, man, I don't know why the Lord's not taking care of that. Like, what's going on? Like, this is all happening, and I'm a tither, and I'm a giver, and yet this is losing value. I don't know. I don't understand why this is happening. Lord, you know, just protect my assets. Make sure that they're fine. Realize that that's opposite of these four, five scriptures that I just read, because he said, you resist the devil. Be sober, be vigilant. In other words, like, pay attention to this. Don't let this slip out of the way. Sometimes people will say, like, well, I'm waiting on the Lord. Well, most of the time, uh, he's waiting on us, right? I mean, when the fullness of time came, then he said, okay, it's time for Christ to come as a lamb, you know, and I. Uh, that is definitely the exception. Uh, I could tell you in my own life, in the lives of others I've prayed with, uh, people, you'll have a thought or a, a demeanor, maybe is a better way to say it, that, okay, I'm, well, once the Lord does something, then this is going to happen. Well, most of the time, the Lord is waiting on you, not you waiting on the Lord. And he's waiting on us really to get solid enough and established enough and rooted enough in the word that it's so real to us that we act on it. And that's where faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So somebody said, like, well, why, how would you say, like, you know, the, the, the fact is uh, there's this sickness in my body, but I know I'm healed. Like, how can you say that? Because I know what the word says. And not do I just know it here, but I know it in my heart. And he said this. So I remember um, Dad Hagen talking about his uh, testimony of healing. And, um, you know, he, he got real feisty with the Lord. And he said, you know, Lord, if you were to come down and tell me that I don't believe, in, in all respect and honor, I'd have to say you're lying, because I know I, I do believe. And he said this is one of the greatest revelations he ever had. He said, the Lord told him, you do believe as far as you know. Right? So if you don't know, you actually can't believe. So if this is the whole reason for the gospel. How can they hear if there's not a preacher? How can they preach unless they be sent? You know, you can't actually receive the gospel unless you hear. You have to hear. You have to know. Once you hear, then faith is immediately present, actually, to receive. As soon as you hear. But... Uh, he had faith as far as he knew. Well, what did he know? Well, he said, um, what things soever you desire, he was reading Jesus from Mark, uh, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. He said, Lord, I, I do believe. You know, I'd be lying if I said I didn't believe. And, um, but the Lord pointed out to him that uh, he didn't know much. So he was expecting that he was going to have it and then he was going to believe it once he had it. But the word of God says that you believe that you receive and then you have. 
In other words, you believe that it's yours, that you possess it. And he said, once he got that revelation, he said, to be honest with you, I didn't expect it to happen as fast as what it did. He expected it to take longer. But he said, I didn't care because I knew I believed it. So I knew I had it. And what happens is we, get, we try to do the having part instead of the receiving part. What's the, what, what does that mean? Well, we're just to believe that we receive when we pray. So the second that you pray, in other words, like um, you pray and somebody say like, okay, then you give thanks at the end. Okay, Lord, thank you for that. Well, it's not something that you do. It's something that springs forth out of what you believe. Like I believe when I pray, the Lord heard me. And not only do I believe that he heard me, I believe that it's in his hands. I've given it to him. He's acting on it. He's got it. I don't have to deal with it. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to pay attention to it. All I have to do is say, thank you, Lord. But I don't have to do it because it's like it's, that's the formula I'm supposed to use. I do it because I have no question on the inside of insides of me that this is what he said. This is what I did. And if he's not a liar, and I know he's not a liar, if he is watching over his word to perform it, he's got it. And if he's got it, that's way better than if the doctor has it or anybody else has it. So he's got it. He's taking care of it. So it's done. And so he said, uh, if I'd have been still paralyzed for 40 more years, I still would have believed it. And it's the same thing I'll tell you, I told you a few weeks ago. I was reading after A.B. Simpson. That's exactly the same type of thing that he said. He said, I, I, I didn't need to feel it. I didn't want to feel it. But what happens, what happens to us? Well, the devil attacks you. The devil does not live inside of you. He attacks from the outside. He attacks your mind. He'll try and put thoughts in you. He'll always try to take you back to the seeing and the feeling. So as soon as you believe, you've got this, you say, Lord, no, no, I believe, I receive. I just prayed. I believe I received. And I'm happy about it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to fret about it. And then the devil's going to say, uh, if it's something you can see, well, look and see that. Or if it's something you can feel, well, try to feel it. Well, with Dad Hagen, the devil immediately said, feel of your heart. And before every time what he did, he said, I would pray. He said, actually, I would get in the presence of God. I would pray and I would get blessed. You know what that means? Like when you pray and you get blessed, like you actually tangibly sense the presence of God. And you're like, whew, the Lord just like filled this room. Or maybe you get like a, a revelation or an understanding or a word from the Lord. And so you get blessed. And he said, I would get blessed. And once I was blessed, then I would feel my heart. Because God heard my prayer. His tangible, his presence right here is tangible. So, so obviously he knows and he cares and he's going to do something about it. And so I'm feeling to see, to see if. And all of a sudden his heart would be irregular. And he'd start crying. Lord, he said, I did this. You know, he did this thousands of times laying in that bed. He went through this. Thousands of times, not just once, not just twice, not just every day for a week, thousands of times until the Lord, you know, he's like, you know, Lord, I do believe. And the Lord said, you believe as far as you know. And all of a sudden that light came on, the Holy Spirit gave light and he said, oh, I see. I have to believe that I have it before I physically can feel it or see it or touch it. You realize once he saw that, then he said, wait. I'm just believing God. So it doesn't matter if I physically feel it or see it or touch it because I, I have no question about it because I'm solid on the inside. So then afterwards, the devil said, reach and fill your heart. He said, no, devil. 
I know I have received it. I believe I've received it. And so, and that actually happened after he was not paralyzed. He was, he was raised up that um, multiple times he'd be walking or something and the devil would say, oh, you lost, you lost your healing. Feel your heart. And he said, my hand would start going there and I'd stop my hand. Because why he conditioned himself that way. So that, you know, well, a thousand times, you know, you're, you're doing this and searching for this. And, and so I, I like that illustration because, I mean, it's not just an illustration, it's, it happened. But um, I like that story because in my own life, I've had so many times where you've got attacks from the enemy coming and you pray and you get into the presence of God and you, you I don't know why we do this, but we think, well, I've just been with the Lord, so he's just going to take care of everything. He knows what's going on. I even told him what's going on. But really, remember <laughs> in the vision, Jesus said, if you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't. Not I wouldn't, but I couldn't. And that makes your head kind of go tilt because you're like, well, you can do anything. The Lord and God himself cannot do anything because he said, I have bound myself to my word. If he had not done that, then of course he could do anything. And generally speaking, God can do anything. You have to understand. But he's not going to do anything that goes against his word or that's not in accordance with his word. And God is a just God. And he created the heavens and the earth and the sea and the everything that's in it for Adam. And he gave him so much dominion that Adam had the right to give it away. And he gave it away to the devil by coming under what the devil said. So you see like we actually are healed, but we give it away by coming under the symptoms that the devil brings, by coming under the thoughts that the devil says. And we'll actually so many times we'll actually be a mouthpiece for the devil over our own life. We will prophesy over our own life through the words of the devil. Is that, you understand what I'm saying? In other words, a thought comes to you and you're, uh, you're under stress maybe. And so you have this pressure and all of a sudden it comes in the mind, out the mouth. Well, you know, I have to tell you, you haven't lost the battle if you do that. I've done that before and I'm like, Lord, I don't know why I just said that. Please forgive me. <laughs> I plead the blood of Jesus. This is what I believe. Because sometimes you get in those situations and you have so much pressure, so much going on, that before you realize it, you're like, oh, you know, you, you, you haven't even come to yourself. You don't even know what's going on. And, um, but we always run to the Lord. But what happens is sometimes we don't run to the Lord and we a thousand times try to feel our heart. A thousand times. And we're, we're loving the Lord. We're praying to the Lord. We're experiencing the presence of the Lord. But we're not actually having what he bought and paid for in our bodies, in our finances, in our mental freedom, because we're waiting for the Lord to do something about it. But what we're to do is we're to believe God and believe that we receive. When we pray, we believe that we receive. And then you act like the Bible's true. So uh, let me give you another example. If you have someone that has um, anxiety or depression or uh, some type of a mental attack like that, uh, sometimes uh, a fear can come and those things can be, uh, uh, they can debilitate you. They can like control you if you let them. But we actually don't have to let those things control us. Well, what happens? Well, was it Colossians 1.9 says that we have been delivered from the power of darkness. And I really translated in the kingdom of, uh, of the Son of God. But we've been delivered from the power of darkness. 
Well, sometimes like a depression coming on you, that is the power of darkness coming on you. But you've been delivered from it. And so you get in the midst of that and you're like, I've been delivered from this. This shouldn't be happening. Why is this happening? Lord, why is this happening? And you, you keep asking why, 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 why? I've been delivered from this. And you have authority, but you just ask why. And you just go with it. I know like... Um, I know of cases where people like they'll be around and they'll say, well, like maybe there's a, this generational curse in your family, or maybe it's because you opened the door somewhere. You did this or you did that. You understand that's all you, 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 you just take people, take those words, take the thoughts, take the devils right back to Jesus and say, no, this is not based on me. This is based on Jesus. And what the word says, I've been delivered from all the power of darkness, from all the power of the enemy. And that is the truth. And so I am not accepting this and I do not receive this and um, I'm not going to have it. Because I got to close. Because um, what happens is I was part of a, 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 I grew up in a a particular denomination and then I was part of another denomination for a couple years and during those couple years I met a lot of people and we had a prayer group and we would pray uh, I think it was every Tuesday night, and we pray for revival in the city. We pray for revival, pray for revival. One of the guys, older guy, I remember him, he was a short little guy. He'd always pray, you know. He, he hardly prayed for revival because most of the time he was saying, Lord, I'm such a worm. I'm pond scum. I'm so unworthy. I this, I that, da 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 da. And um, in this particular denomination, um, I still have really good friends that are uh, in the denomination. One of my friends, he would say, I know I must just have some unconfessed sin. I've got this unconfessed sin. Do you know he could never like approach uh, talking to the Lord, praying to the Lord with boldness because he had this like there's something wrong with me, there's something I've done because the teaching was you sin so much that you don't even know how many times you sin. You can't even count up how sinful you are and how many sins you do. And so he always had this and it always nagged him. And um, uh, so I was in that denomination, and so you start to think like the people that you're with, okay? So I had this. So finally one day the Lord was dealing with me about that, um, and um, I realized there is no possible way I could know every possible little thing that I did, and then of course I was taught, like the Bible says, that you're a saint, not a sinner once you're born again, and that you occasionally sin. You're not a sinner that occasionally does good things. You're actually a saint that occasionally messes up and does bad things. And so I realized the devil used that on me as a tactic, and so I just said, and this is what I do as people, uh, and if that's you, this is what I encourage you to do, is you just stop and you say, okay, Lord, is there anything that I haven't forgiven somebody for? Is there any, like, sin or whatever? Like, that's, you know, examine me, see me. Is there anything? And then you wait for the response. And if the Lord doesn't say anything, you say, well, praise the Lord. Everything's good. And you forget about it. And don't let the devil ever mess with you again about it. Because what happens, people start entire ministries based on going back into your past and fixing all this stuff and doing all this stuff. And um, uh, that's a really long way to get from point A to point B. Like you can go like around the mountain, round the mountain, round the mountain, round the mountain, round. I'd like to just go straight up. Like give me on the tram and I'll just go straight up. In other words, any man that's in Christ is a new creature. You have been del- delivered from all the power of, the darkness, of darkness in Christ. So you don't have to say like, what runs in your family? Right? So if the doctor says, here's a disease that runs in your family, I don't have to go back and say, I break the generational curse of such and such. 
No, I just say I've been delivered from all the power of darkness. In Christ, that is broke. And then what do I do? Then I resist the thing if it ever tries to come on me, right? So a lot of times, uh, you know, if you haven't had children yet, you're going to have children. You know, you may have like uh, something in your personality. I wouldn't even call it a curse. I would just call it a personality trait. And you could say like, you know, maybe it's fear, maybe it's uh, temper, whatever it is. And you just say, you know what? I'm going to stand against this so my kids don't have to deal with this. I'm going to make it just a little bit easier for them. In other words, you have the power to stand, but you have to stand. You can't just pray and say, okay, Lord, um, uh, take this away from me. And then you're still yielding to it. You're still giving into it. Uh, That's really just actually 99% of the time that's actually of the flesh anyhow. It's interesting if you ever get to uh, demon conscious and devil conscious, if you go look what the Bible says are actually sins of the flesh, not demonic sins, but sins of the flesh. Um, Most sins that people do are sins of the flesh. Don't get me wrong, if you practice those as a lifestyle, you can open up to demonic activity. Uh, But uh, most of those things are, are sins of the flesh. And so What we want to do is we want to be exactly what Peter said. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion, he's not one, but as one, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resists steadfast in the faith? Knowing that like you're not the only one going through this, like every everybody through all eons have gone through this, right? So it's not just you. Um, But we have to be sober and we have to be vigilant because if you don't pay attention to what's going on in your life, you will allow things to creep in on you that you don't even realize. You're not even conscious. You're just going through the motions, you know. And um, uh, I remember I felt so much better when I heard Brother Higgins tell us one time. He's like, you know, I don't know why I put up with this, but there was something in my body for like three days. And it only bothered me at night. And, you know, I just, oh, this, and I just fall back asleep. I didn't address it. That's the easiest thing in the world to do, especially if it's not something that's like real severe. When something's real severe, it's got your attention. It's like got everybody's attention. Um, but uh, the devil is seeking. He's looking for who he can take advantage of. He's like a bully. He's like, can I take advantage of you? 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 And if you'll let him, he'll take advantage of you because he knows he's lost. He knows that you're actually already in the kingdom of God. He knows that you have authority over him. And you can tell him what to do, but he's going to do as much as you'll let him do. You know, and I think, you know, of um, what's going on in the world right now, and you see like different countries try to do different things, and you can have authority, you can have power that's backing you and everything like that, and you can do nothing about it. And they'll just keep on doing whatever they're going to do. Uh, I've heard stories of people actually walking into people's houses and stealing stuff in front of their eyes and telling them what they're doing and they just steal it and the people just let them do it and then they walk out. So you actually could have, uh, this is not a, a right to arm message or anything like that, but you could actually have a gun in your house and you could have the gun on your side and you could actually have somebody that acts like a bully come in your house and say, uh, you're not going to touch that gun, and I'm going to go and I'm going to take all this stuff, and you're going to keep your mouth shut. And if you don't, I'm going to kill you. And you could be aiming the gun at them, and they could still take advantage of you. In other words, you could actually have the power source. They could have no gun, and you have the gun. Or they could do these things like have these rubber guns. And they have no power, but it looks like it. And they're telling you what to do, and they gain advantage of you, but you actually have the power, you have the authority, because it's your house, and you could blow them away, but you respond to them. 
Well, it's not that much different when the devil comes at you because he is trying to deceive you. He is trying to make you think this and make you think that. And um, second close would be this. So you could say that the devil masquerades, I think it's important that we remember that the devil does not come ugly most of the time. Now, when you see what his work has done, it's very ugly. Cancer is very ugly. Sickness, disease, poverty is very ugly. But when he comes at you, I just, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody or anything, but I just want to say like a generational curse sounds very spiritual to go back and address and find out and deal with and all this. That sounds very spiritual. It sounds, oh, you, you love the Lord. Oh, you this, you that, and everything like that. Oh, this is how you do it. That sounds really good, but I have known so many people most people don't stop there. They get hung up in that and they become devil and demon conscious, not God conscious. The people I've seen that just take the Lord at his word and they say, well, I've been delivered and this thing's trying to come on me. You, you know, you may have something that comes on you. You just say in the name of Jesus, I am not under the curse. Jesus has redeemed me from the curse of the law and every curse that goes with it. Besides that, you can't curse who God has blessed. I do not live under the curse and you don't have a right to my body or my finances or my family or whatever it happens to be. And you live in light of Christ. But the devil is, is really tricky and he's really cunning. And he tries to get people, especially Christians, to believe that what they're doing is from the Lord. But it's actually from him. How many times have you seen like some of the greatest challenges and attacks, even to your faith, have come through the mouth of a believer? Oh, yes. Right? And what I would say is, um, many cases, a well-meaning believer. A lot, most cases, I'll be careful here, so many times it can be a self-righteous believer. Right? So they want to say like, well, I know this, I know that. Most of the time those believers know it here, they don't know it here. Because when you know it here and you live from here, it, it comes out with love and patience and kindness. And, uh, you know, the reality is if you're not at a place where the word is more real to you than that situation, you're going to get what the situation is. And so it's instead of telling somebody like, oh, you should just have more faith. You should do this. You should just encourage them and you should help them find like, hey, do you know this? Like, let's talk about this for a second. Let's like, let's talk about this back and forth, this scripture. You know, let's talk it a little bit. And you help them get thrilled with the word. You help them get excited. And uh, instead of um, trying to say, like, let me tell you what I know. So stand with me if you would. So the reality is that... Um, most of the things of God don't drop on you like ripe cherries out of a tree. It's not automatic, but you have to take something all the way from your salvation, all the way to the blessings of God, to the grace of God. We have to um, grab hold and receive what the Lord has done for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is alive and powerful that your word penetrates to the inner part of who we are. Father, we ask you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in, in, in the knowledge of what you have done for us through him and what you have given to us through him and the position that you have put us in through him. Father, I pray for each person. Father, that we will all rise to the full potential of the anointing that you've put on us. 
of the call that you've put on us, of the position that you've put us in. Father, we thank you that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world, that the devil has been defeated, and that we walk in your victory, that you have defeated him. Father, I thank you that nothing will in any way harm us or hurt us from the devil, that you've given us authority over him. Father, I pray that you'd help us to be alert and to be sober and to be conscious and to be aware of the tactics of the enemy and his attacks, Father, so that we can stand in the blood in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that we have been delivered from all the power of darkness through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, thank you that we are not uh, under generational curses, that we are not under sickness, that we are not under disease, that we are not under the, any of the power of the enemy, that we are not under depression, that we are not under kidney disease, that we are not under anything that the devil would try to bring our way. Father, thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ. Father, we simply believe that we receive every part of your life and of your nature that you have given us, Father, the fullness of your life and nature. We believe we received it. Father, we thank you that we're the believer and you're the performer. In Jesus' name, amen.